We come to this place for monsters. We come to horror movies to scream, to cringe, to scare. Because we need that, all of us. That hair-raising feeling we get when the lights begin to dim. And we are taken somewhere we've never been before. Not just entertained, but somehow terrorized together. Dazzling guts on a huge silver screen. Stabs that I can feel. Somehow, murder feels so good in a place like this. Our final girls feel like the best parts of us, and stories feel disturbing and powerful. Because, because here, they are. In horror, we trust. weekend it did the 24th directed by scott derrickson written screenplay by c robert cargill and it's based on a short story by joe hill which is stephen king's son yeah very cool yeah so the black phone a story of a boy named finney being abducted by a child killer known as the grabber Finney was taken by the grabber and locked in a soundproof basement. Then, at that point, Finney starts receiving phone calls on a disconnected black phone from the killer's previous victims. The victims attempt to help him escape the grasp of the grabber. Have you read the short story? I haven't, but I kind of want to go back now and read it. I heard that it was pretty accurate to the events in the story. It's supposedly very short. It's only... 30 pages I believe yeah so it's a quick read I definitely want to check that out and I mean I've never I've actually never read anything by Joe Hill yet and I I haven't either I really want to jump in um I do like Stephen King so yeah I'm hoping you know same kind of horror element going on there yeah I know a lot of people have already been kind of comparing this story to like Stephen King's type like oh it's like it gives Stephen King vibes but I think it's just because it's, like, young kids yeah. facing some, you know. That kind of makes me feel bad. Not, no, okay, only because, like, Joe Hill is his own entity. Exactly. And he shouldn't be compared to his father. Exactly. From, like, interviews I've been watching, um, that's definitely what they wanted to, dis- you know, distinguish themselves yes. from. But it, I, I just think it's, like, it's just a result of Stephen King's Legacy. His legacy. Yeah. It's so it sticks in everyone's mind and a lot of it does involve kids and you know, it was rebooted in such a success, so it's very fresh and you, you know I th- I think it's funny that you bring up it because I was sitting here telling my roommate that I was going to be watching the black phone and she was like, I wanna see the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I threw on the trailer and she's like, This looks like it. <laughs> Are you sure this right. isn't it? 
Like, I think it's it kind of redone, isn't it? And I was like, oh, I haven't quite seen the movie, but I was like, just because a kid's on a bike wearing a raincoat doesn't really make it it, but I could see the comparison. Which a lot of people, I think, have, you know, especially that shot, but it's the 70s. I think a yellow raincoat is pretty standard. That's exactly (laughs) what I said. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, I mean, that's, it is crazy just how potent of a legacy he has. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Especially in this genre. Yeah. And obviously, big spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, it's very new, so... Please go see it before listening, because we will spoil the shit out of it. Yeah. (laughs) But I I was really... I mean, from the get-go, from seeing the trailer and everything, I was really interested in the story, and I thought it was a cool concept. And yeah, just such a realistic horror for a kid to go through and set in the time where that was happening this is obviously inspired by John Wayne Gacy yeah which apparently I don't know if it's in the book he's yeah in the book the short story he is written as he's a clown not a magician but Joe asked them especially because it was rebooted (gasps) that makes so much sense Joe asked C. Robert Cargill to change that because it's too you know which, yeah, I mean, just changing it from the clown because of it, I think it was also smart not to be so on the nose referencing John Wayne Gacy like that. Absolutely. Because, yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, that's a terrible true story and maybe... Yeah. It's a little insensitive towards yeah. the victim's right. families. And, yeah. yeah. And so I thought it was really smart um, changing it to a, a magician and it's very interesting. I think that's very, very interesting that you say that because I was getting very clown-like vibes from the grabber, which is yeah. Ethan Hawke's character, with the way that he kind of giggled and yes. with the balloons and yes. that was just giving me kind of clown-like vibes. And the mask, while it's not a clown, the smile is very reminiscent of clowns. Yeah. And so it kind of gave that unsettling creepiness of having this smile plastered on his face when you know very well Mm -hmm. he's not smiling underneath it so it had a lot of similarities to what a clown would represent without like the clown like features and makeup yeah Yeah. so it was a very interesting kind of play on that and I kind of like that that it was a clown but they did it kind of different yeah and it definitely achieved the same effect so I read that They got the inspiration for a magician specifically and kind of playing into the look of the mask by in the 30s and 40s. um, This performance of a magician where in the show they would start off as a regular magician, but then it it, um, changes towards the end of the act and they change into like a devil costume as they perform the rest of the tricks or or the rest of the performance. That's really cool. I know. I Yeah. I that's very cool inspiration and when you see the mask and just the character in general it's to- it totally ma- it makes sense yeah. and that's just a really cool inspiration and i mean i guess let's just get to the mask in general we keep t- we're talking so much about it so a cool little tidbit is that tom savini conceptualized the mask for the grabber and then i didn't know this bit but carissa told us that uh, Jason Baker, who used to be a student at Tom's school, um, worked with him on this mask. So Tom conceptualized and designed it, but Jason Baker crafted it and Which brought it to life. So cool. Yeah. And yeah, I encourage you to to look at their interviews talking about the creation of the mask because 
and just the whole idea of it was really interesting. And um, I, I'm sure you could see the kind of take on the drama and comedy mass, like in theater, you know, happy mm-hmm. frown. Um, and I just thought it was really cool that there were like these interchangeable parts mm-hmm. to the mask. Where he could wear it as just a mouthpiece or a full mask. Yeah. 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 That way. And just the, the changing of the expressions. Cause I don't know. That was, I think very effective that you got to see, even though it's a fake expression, you got to see some sort of expression. He would attribute it to a certain personality or mood he had going on. Cause in the movie, when he's kind of playing polite or like fake nice with them, he has a smiley face on. Or at the very beginning, he has the blank bottom, which I thought was really interesting and unsettling. Cause I was like, that's, it's so blank and like all this negative space in that mask when he first brings him to the, to the basement. Um, but then throughout the movie, you see the switching where when he's more upset with Finney, the, the boy, the main boy in the film, um, he has the frowny face on or when he's very cool concept, I think for like a, a mask, a mask in general, yeah. yeah, a mask in general and just an antagonist that's kind of based more in reality, you know, child abducting serial killer. Um, yeah. Just having the mask to evoke his different personalities. And you do get the idea that he has like kind of split personalities. Cause there's that moment in the film where I think Finney says, you killed them, didn't you? Or whatever. And he was like, that wasn't me. That was someone else. It's like, oh, yeah. So it's like different identities. But yeah, it is very interesting how throughout, sometimes he wears just the top part of the mask mm-hmm. or just the bottom part. And I was, yeah, some certain instances, I was like, oh, why this certain part for this scene? Yeah. Um, the, like the part where it's just the bottom half is when he's watching Finney sleep. He wakes up to him watching him. And that's like the first moment you kind of see, first of all, you see his whole top half of his face. So you really see his eyes and the expression in his eyes. And he starts tearing up because he's like, I just wanted to watch, you know, I just wanted to watch you. I think how, how they had the top half of his face exposed was an interesting and cool way to see him for the first time show like some empathy or like real feeling. Mm Um, and then later on, towards the end, he just has the, like, top half on, yeah. and his, the bottom half is revealed when he, like, kills his brother. Yeah. So, let me just ask you, um, just on the story or that basic idea, what'd you think of the idea of the story in general? I saw the trailer, and I was really, really into checking this movie out. I was really interested in the idea of it. Um, upon watching it, I still really liked the overall concept of the film. I just don't think it was as effective as I would have liked it to be. And I would say I was not a fan of this movie. I know that's kind of contrary to what a majority of people thought of this film, but I just thought it had a lot of potential and it just didn't see that through entirely. I feel like if this film had been like a series or maybe even just a short, it would have been more effective. But I think that there was a lot of ends that weren't tied together, not in necessarily a point where it made everything all happy and nice, 
but there were just a lot of things that I felt like fizzled out and were incohesive and it just didn't capture my attention quite enough. Yeah, can I ask any, like, for instance, any particular moments that, yeah, didn't tie the ends up for you? Okay. Yes. So a big issue for me was the parallel narratives. So it was interesting to follow each kind of storyline that played um, not only on its own, but kind of in a way tied in together. But by the end of it, none of it actually comes together. And for me, it felt kind of short. It built kind of effective tension, but not really a satisfying ending to this tension. Um, And for me, it would have been fine, but they spent so much time building the subplots that it didn't really go anywhere. So like, for instance, the story of Finney's sister's Gwen with her dreams. Like, I wouldn't have minded, but it left so much of the interpretation left to the viewer And it felt like a very cohesive decision to spend time on her story, but you didn't really see it going anywhere. Like, I don't kind of understand why in the beginning we saw Gwen's dad grotesquely beat the shit out of her for these dreams that she was having and having the cops involved, but like at towards the end like it didn't really go anywhere everyone started like giving into her dreams and like they were like yeah let's go with it okay she's having these dreams let's get along with it and i just i don't know i like they gave breadcrumbs onto like why this was going on and why the dad was so upset that she was doing it but i feel like the breadcrumbs weren't effective enough to kind of kind of like pull into the story for me it just it wasn't enough it just it kept me like asking more questions than it was giving me answers to. That's interesting because, yeah, I will say I did feel the opposite. And maybe I would have liked because he, the dad obviously alludes to she got this from her mom and mm-hmm. she, he eventually kind of says how it drove her mom mad basically and she took her own life and he didn't want that future for her. And so that's why he can't, well, he obviously doesn't deal with it well because he turned to alcoholism and yeah be his daughter savagely because it just you know i don't know he's angry that she was giving into this and was thinking about his wife i can't it's it's weird because i enjoy so because i enjoyed it but i can also understand your your perspective and how it didn't give you enough for me for some i will say it did because i don't know i guess i just accepted it more easily like, I, I guess I didn't need a lot of logic behind it. I was like, okay, this is... Yeah. You know, this is her gift, and this is how she's using it. Um, and for me, I think if I got more time spent on that, it would have taken it away for me, a little... Taken away from it for me. If I saw them trying to explain where all of this the gifts come from and and why, per se... I don't even think it was a need to know where the gifts came from, but to like maybe spend a little more time on the relationship she had with her dad and why it was so strained that she was having these dreams. Like maybe her 
experiencing a dream in another relation outside of this and like her dad being angry at that i don't know i just feel like it really came out of nowhere like they showed that her dad was a drunk okay cool but then all of a sudden she has this one errant thought and then her dad comes bustling in beating the shit out of her and that scene was so graphic it made me kind of wince I was like oh my god and like yeah and I understand that it was intentional but that was such a graphic scene that I feel like the intent of that wasn't spent with her throughout the rest of the film it was just kind of like okay like this is a really serious thing that she has going on with her family but then the rest of the way while she was continuing to do this there was no other consequence it was just kind of like her dad was like, whatever. I okay, see. well, I guess she may be right because her brother's gone, so let's follow her thought. Like, right. I just, I didn't understand that, and I don't really know what could have possibly made it flow a little better. Just for me, it just, it felt disjointed. Yes. It just didn't feel like, I just, I don't understand, like, how everyone leaned into her ability without consequence by the end. Like, mm-hmm. when the consequence for her just speaking of her ability was so like right it was so wrong in the beginning yeah so i just i guess i just accepted it in that moment where finn's already gone yeah so he maybe he yeah like maybe he is dealing with that so he is listening out to her more um but i could see what you're saying um because yeah it is without consequence for the rest of the film um, and I think, at least for the cops part, and they, they buy into it very mm-hmm. easily, but because Absolutely. she is showing proof that she knows mm-hmm. something or something's leading to answers because she's seeing things that, you know, they never released to the public and stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah, I guess, you know, I don't know. I just easily, I, I, I accepted it yeah. more easily. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's totally fine. I think it's just very interesting that Carissa and I both went into the same viewing but we have such vastly different takes on it mm-hmm. which just kind of shows like I don't know it's just like, it's really interesting for me I I liked the pacing and I thought things were leading <laughs> we're leading um I don't know we're reasonably leading into each other and culminating to to the end and everything like for instance when he starts getting these calls from his past victims, the other boys, and you know, they're a little like piecemealing and giving like one tip from each boy. And it's like, they start, they kind of fail when he tries them. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so what the fuck, what's the point? But at the end, all their advice together helps him escape. So every piece of advice he got from them ended up being used when he, when he spoiler <laughs> beats the grabber and kills him. like every piece of advice like together they worked and you know it was like it wasn't in vain those boys mm-hmm. tips weren't in vain where when he uses them all together <laughs> you kind of saw it as like a means for him to like build to the end yes. to finally like yes, get you. to that crescendo ending yeah yeah absolutely yeah. i can definitely see that for me though it didn't work mm-hmm. um I just found the blending of the supernatural and real, real world, like, it didn't make any cohesive sense for me. I I just didn't, I don't know, I felt like there were gaps in it, because sometimes I would see Finny, like, and he would see apparitions, and then other times it was just objects moving, 
which I don't, I don't know. It just didn't really <laughs> make too much sense for me. And then I was the one main thought that kept going, like playing through my head every time I would see one of the apparitions of the children that he killed was like, okay, so they noted in the film that the apparition said that the grabber could hear the phone ring. But then why couldn't the grabber see any apparitions of the children and just heard the phone ring? Like that just didn't make sense to me. And I was just, it was throwing me for a loop. And right. I was like, why are they picking and choosing things to like, I don't know. I just, it didn't, it wasn't cohesive enough for me. Yeah. I mean, that was also a yeah. question I had and that they point out that, um, well, the boys point out that Adam, am I wrong? They could not hear the phone ring. They said that they couldn't hear the phone ring, just him and, and the, the grabber. grabber. Yeah. But also, I don't think, I mean, he, I think he pretended to not hear them because he heard them through the phone at the end when he died. Right. And so yeah. maybe he, which again, maybe that's the problem that it wasn't yeah. clear. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't cohesive enough for me to that, like, follow. That, yeah, maybe he was like, he didn't want to hear the voices of his victims because then he would feel guilt. Absolutely. But they which didn't is, show that. Yeah, which is a great concept. And I would have loved to have mm -hmm. seen that portrayed in the film, but it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, and I don't need films to like clearly yeah. say it to me like I'm an idiot, mm -hmm. but like something to kind of guide that. Right. To come to that conclusion. I just think it was so far apart that I couldn't I piece that together myself. Yeah. yeah. To that point, what I interpreted was that the Grabber and Finney, what they have in common is they are both children of abuse yeah, in some way. Absolutely. Um, and what I didn't, what I honestly didn't process until um, reading some stuff after watching the movie was that Finney does have his mom's powers. And so he can see, because ha Gwen has, what you're supposed to interpret from what I read, um, <laughs> is that Gwen has half of her mom's powers and Finney does too. He is, because uh, the dad does say, you do not see things that aren't there. You do not hear things that aren't there. And then Finney is seeing and hearing things that aren't there. And so... I didn't get that when I, you know, I didn't process that, that when I was watching. Way past my head. <laughs> but now, but now, like, when I read that, it, it makes sense. I'm like, oh, okay, well, like, why didn't I, yeah, why didn't I um, yeah. figure that out during yeah. it? But obviously, like, they're both children of the mom, and if he is, but maybe I should have figured that out, because they do say, the kids are like, we never heard the phone ring, and he's hearing and seeing things that aren't there. But then if that's the case, why is the grabber hearing and seeing things that aren't there? That is... Yes, also a good for well hearing. I yeah, guess, well hearing, yeah, not yeah. seeing. But then why is he hearing things that aren't there? Yeah, that is and is that question. like a story of just like their trauma all being right. similar? Right. But I, I see it just wasn't clear enough for me. I yeah. see. I see. That yeah. makes sense. But it's that is an yeah. interesting afterthought. Like that would have been cool to have Which read into. Makes me wonder. Are there deleted scenes or little details? Yeah, like what got cut? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because um, Adam pointed out at the end in the climax in the final fight, um, when he kills him in the hole, he's laying mm -hmm. in the hole. When he goes out to get the stake to throw to the dog, I didn't notice this because I'm just a fucking passive viewer, I guess. Now. <laughs> but Adam said that the grabber's body was laying outside of the hole, right? Yeah, it was or, on the floor. It was on the floor. When he showed him die in the hole, so they must have cut maybe an extra struggle. So maybe oh, there are just. I didn't, yeah, yeah, I didn't 
I, I thought he was just halfling out. I didn't see, I, I didn't catch that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm a passive viewer too. <laughs> I, I think they put little clues in between for a lot of this stuff. Like, yeah. I think he was specifically guilty. Like, he felt guilty and that's why he didn't want to admit that he saw the ghosts because he, like, yeah. he says, like, I didn't kill them. Someone, yeah, else, someone else did. Else. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and then just like all his different personalities. But I guess maybe it is a result of, yeah, being abused, yeah. children. But uh, you're right. It, yeah. it didn't give enough to kind of make that connection. It was very violent outside of, like, maybe it showed more violence outside of the grabbers yeah. layer than, yeah. than inside. Um, than inside. I thought it was effective in showing, like, the latchkey kid era and how they were much, you know, on their own throughout, like, yeah. During that time, the kids are kind of left to their own. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know how bullying was in the 70s. Maybe it was more, much more violent like that or more common like that. I kind of took it as, like, kind of drilling in the fact that kids have to stand up for themselves or ha- are left to their own devices all the time. And they're at their most vulnerable in that era because they're latchkey kids. They, they're constantly out and about, and which makes it so easy for the grabber and why, the, you know, serial killers that killed kids were so much more prevalent back then. Um, So they're like at their most vulnerable, but then they juxtapose that with a lot of them having to stick up for themselves. And then at the end, Finney eventually, you know, sticks up for himself and saves himself. There's no adults that save him. I just thought the violence kind of built into that. Yeah, I think the bullying seemed like it fit into the cycles of abuse thing. Uh Like, uh, what's his name, Robin? Um, oh. Robin says you gotta like beat the fuck out of people to make a point and that's literally what the grabber does is because he was like powerless as an abused child mm-hmm. and he wants to be in a situation of power by playing Naughty Boy and so I think that's him making his statement um, I also thought there was a lot of empathy at the same time shown yeah. between kids like Robin and him and yeah. uh, his sister and him very I love the relationship that yeah. Finney and his sister had that was great yeah, that's like yeah. You know, I wish I had. I wish I had that relationship. Yeah, there is. Can I just say this? I know I'm hating on this movie quite a bit, but I love Gwen. Gwen was my favorite part of this movie. I loved her stand just for sure. Her standout performance. I think she was a phenomenal little actress. Mm-hmm. I loved her potty mouth. Yeah, it made me chuckle. It made me giggle. I loved seeing her on screen. Well, loved it. Get this yeah. during the beating scene. Um, the dad improvs when he asks her to repeat, my dreams are not dreams. He improv that. And then she goes, she's sobbing and she's like, my dreams are not dreams. Sobbing again. My dreams are not dreams. And then she turns and it's like, she gets angry. Yeah. She improv that where she, she just switches and she just angrily screams it back to him. That's incredible. She was my favorite actress. She was my favorite character throughout this whole movie. And honestly, I think her acting abilities far surpassed anybody else in this film. I loved this little girl. And I am ashamed that I do not know this little actress's name. Forgive me. Madeline McGraw. Yeah, she was amazing. And I am so excited to see her in further works because I think this kid is going to go far. She was great. I actually, I, I, I really, yeah, I loved her. I did really like um, Mason Thames is the, who plays Finney. I also thought he did a really great job specifically with this character who's very um, 
timid and mm-hmm. like uh, retreats inside himself a lot and is always like pushing things off and like shrugging things off, dismissing it until the point where he's placed in this, you know, insane, terrifying situation where he finally builds up, you know, with the help of, you know, all these dead kids. Um, but he saves himself. And you can see the confidence he has at the end of the film. Also, just a funny point. At the end of the film, Adam was like, do you think that was a pun at the end when he's talking to that girl? And he's like, call me Finn. And then it ends. Finn ends. Finn. Finn. (laughs) Um, Looking at the grabber. Oh, also, just going back to kind of the cycles of abuse, you know, kind Uh of, um, because you look at the grabber's brother, and obviously he's not like him, but I feel like there's also, he externalizes his maybe past abuse by the drugs he does and the obsession over finding out what happened to the these kids that were murdered. I thought that, you know, that was kind of his externalization of like, if they both shared, you know, the same parents, he's bound to have been abused too. Um, I found his character so fucking unnecessary. I mean, like, it, I feel like he was maybe used to like further that point and maybe comedic relief, but I just I didn't find it necessary at all. I felt like he was just in there for a cheap kill, mm-hmm. and I just like while his kill was brutal, I just didn't under like I just didn't get it. I felt like it was a waste of runtime, and we could have done without mm-hmm. him. But I feel like he has been in other. Scott Derrickson films like he was the cop in Sinister both Sinister um yeah so I don't know personally I just didn't find it effective or needed at all wasn't a fan that actor is great though nothing against him I just didn't feel like it was necessary I will say this film is shot very well um and I feel like that kind of helped me maintain my interest throughout the film Um, Well, one of the scenes that I can pick out in particular where it was during the start of the film, which immediately captured my attention, was when they found out that one of the kids had gone missing and the cops were about to go survey the forest and it was kind of dark and you see these shadowed figures with flashlights and there were little lens flares going on. That shot was so beautiful and um, it I feel like the camera work did all that it could do to help amplify the story, but I just, yeah, that that definitely helped me help me keep going um, in terms of viewing. Um, I thought it was really interesting. They had a lot of like really really tight camera work, um, and it was really fun to see that. And aspect. they shot an actual Super Eight film yeah. for those bits, which was very cool. I think that was done in Sinister as well. Yeah. 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 And which was cool to kind of see again that that was kind of a stylistic trait that Scott Derrickson maintained throughout his last two films. Yeah. And in in this film, it was used as for the the dreams that Mm -hmm. Gwen was having to distinguish between reality. But I thought it was very interesting that it both kind of dealt with dead kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, the look of the dead kids, the ghostly mm -hmm. kids, is similar. Yeah. Very similar. So that was kind of a cool like pull through where you kind of see his style like transversing from film to film, which yeah. was really, really cool. And I did enjoy that. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought the character of the grabber overall was very interesting to me. And again, going back to 
just the magi- magician aspect of it and how his whole time of holding these kids was was like a game or a performance for him because he had like stages that he had in his mind already planned where he would play the naughty boy game and he would wait at the top of the stairs and usually every boy would come up and then he would you know beat them and the the dead boys say like that's that's how he gets to the next stage where he kills you um because it justifies it and one of the boys is like if you don't play the game he can't he can't win when you play it that's how he beats you but it, it was just interesting that he had these stages where like okay i'll be nice to them i'll try to learn their name at a certain part and if they lie like um I don't know, just playing with them in that way. And then he has those moments where he's going to play that naughty boy game and he's expecting them to do this. And that will justify the next stage of killing them. And it was like his own staged show or performance. I don't know. It just, it wasn't super effective for me. And I liked the mask, but I felt like Everything leans so into the mask that if it wasn't for the mask, would the grabber have been all that intimidating? I, um, well, I thought so. I thought the way he carried his body was the differences between like his different personalities was very clear. See, I thought it was comical. I thought it was comical. It borderline made me laugh um, by some of the mannerisms that Ethan Hawke had. And I just, like, for instance, when he was tearing up, I just didn't get it. Like, he was like, oh, I was just watching you sleep. It just kind of made me laugh. And I was like, why are you getting so emotional that he woke up when you were trying to watch him sleep? Like, I just, I don't know. I wasn't very understanding of, like, why this was all happening outside of like oh he just wants to kidnap children and for me that didn't up the stakes and it didn't make this character all that threatening outside of like yeah he just kills kids and I guess while they were playing the games too like they kept saying that he was like unpredictable and that you know he was smart and he was terrifying But then, like, he kind of died in a very Scooby-Doo ending. And it's, like, throughout all of the the setup of this kid, like, trying to pull the grates from the window, like, not once did the grabber come in and see any of the little trails of, like, what this kid was doing. And I guess, like, yeah, they can't show that because then it kind of, like, ruins the... what this kid is trying to accomplish in the end. But it just all felt very silly. And I don't... I don't, I'm not sure. I think he hit it and, you know, no kid has ever escaped him before. So I think he was kind of confident in that way. True. And yeah, I also, again, I think that for the movie, it it worked in that. Well, I think that was the purpose of Max's character. He literally says like, everything's going wrong. My brother's here. He's going to figure me out. And then that's why he's upstairs all the time. So this is why I can't come downstairs. So he, like, never comes in except for after, like, saying... Yeah, right. Um, I also think in regards to, like... I think, you know, I like that we were kind of supposed... Trying to figure him out and not really knowing what his deal was or, yeah, why is he he tearing up? Or, like, why does he have these kind of 
weird ways of going about it and just kind of dealing or carrying out his fantasy or whatever. I guess my problem is it just didn't feel like enough. Like, I think if they pushed it a little bit further, it would have been the right amount. But I feel like it just wasn't enough to quite get me there to believe all of these reasonings for what he's doing. And because of that, it felt short for me and it felt comical. And it didn't do what it was intended to do to make me fear the grabber. I just kind of found him to be kind of bumbling and stumbling over himself and not knowing what to do and it wasn't the reason because this kid was smarter than he was and was like kind of mapping out his plan to defeat the grabber it was just because the grabber was ineffective Mm -hmm. I guess is what I was trying to like come to the conclusion to I just yeah and I I I don't think it was any fault to Ethan Hawke I think Ethan Hawke is a fantastic actor but just something fell short for me And in those moments where I was trying to grasp it and feel what the characters were trying to portray in the moment, just didn't do it for me. And I found that I was, while watching this film, I wasn't so much scared of Ethan Hawke's character, the grabber. I was just more scared of the mask. And I was more paying attention to the mask and not his actual movements and intentions throughout the film. And so I kind of was thinking while viewing it like if they had done things a little bit differently and pushed a little harder if I would have been more focused on Ethan on the grabber's character and Ethan Hawke's performance as opposed to just focusing on the mask if that makes sense yes I just felt like all the elements were there it just didn't push through that barrier and go there for me Mm -hmm. it was just kind of mediocre I see for me, the mask I thought was a good extension and like ad- he identifies himself or like his identity is built through the mask. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was effective. Yeah. But I can see that. I can see how you viewed it in that way. Just for me, it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't reach that point for me. Right. And I also think going back to what you mentioned earlier I mean when I watched it and I didn't know the outside context it still was effective to me and I think when I learned the outside context of like why they chose the magician it it just further like I was like oh okay that's cool like I can see how that inspired them but I didn't like need that I guess to to kind of buy into it but yeah, I can see but how see, for others. Yeah, yeah, for me, now knowing that context, right. I was like, oh, okay. whoa, well, that maybe makes that makes it more interesting and that makes it kind of a little more clear for me. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Which makes it a little more powerful, which I would have wanted, right. like, through viewing it. Right. So I'm, I'm, again, I'm not saying that this movie was complete trash because I think it had a lot of elements that did work for it. And I highly recommend people go out and see it and kind of judge it for yourself and see if it was effective for you. But it wasn't quite a home run for me. Just to that end, I guess, can I ask? Yeah. What were your expectations maybe going into it? Because I know you did hear a lot about it before going in. And I do, because I know you had said that 
you had heard people saying like, oh, this is the scariest movie they've seen in a, you know, yeah. in a while. And I mean, I, I don't agree. I don't agree at all. I don't think it was. But I can see how people got there. Like, I do understand that it was more of a real portrayal. And that is frightening. That is absolutely frightening. So I can see where people came to that conclusion. But I legitimately didn't go into it with very much expectation. Because I don't know Joe Hill very well. I didn't know his writing. I was, the trailer looked fantastic. So I was ready for the ride. I was like, okay, let's go. Let's see what happens. And it just wasn't what I was expecting. I think that the trailer was very misleading. I don't... It's interesting because I felt the opposite. Really? Like I felt that the trailer... or um, I got out of it what I kind of like saw in the was trailer. Expecting. Yeah, yeah. And it, it like built that up. That is very I interesting. I feel <laughs> like the trailer set it up to be this monster of a movie that was just like bam, bam, bam. Like really, really terrifying. And I just... I kind of felt this movie was boring see like i'm like what could they have done like i don't i don't see anything or i guess i didn't see anything in the trailer that i was like oh they didn't go this way with it in the movie i don't know i guess i was not surprised or like what would i I, guess i can't see what they would have done it's not that i feel like they needed to go in a different direction i just think they didn't they didn't it just it fell short like i feel like they could have pushed it a little harder but like in what way in in all the ways like i think the the grabber could have been okay so i feel like they could have made the grabber's mannerisms a little more a little more eccentric if they're going with this whole idea of being a mime or a mime a magician and i really feel like if you took away the fact that his car said magician, and if you took away the fact that he had balloons and all that, and you just had a man with this mask going around and grabbing kids, would you know at all he was a magician? But then again, I guess I'm thinking, was the magician that necessary, I guess, to his character, rather than the fact of what he does? But then why did they put that in the movie? And why was because that such a toy to, to get kids? Like, John Wayne Gacy wasn't, he didn't yeah. live in the clown idea. Like, that was just kind of his easy way easy access to kids yeah but i don't know i don't not saying that it has to be exactly like yeah john Gacy. i just i i just thought it i don't know i don't know what they could have done differently Mm -hmm. i just the trailer made it seem more exciting and then i feel like the film itself was stale like and i don't know if it was maybe the pacing of the trailer if they put all the good bits in the trailer if it was just the exciting moments were there and then the rest were just kind of filler. But I just thought there would be more to it to kind of bring, bring like suck me into the movie and I just didn't think it was there. I'm also wondering if people kind of go into expecting kind of sinister, which is completely I different. I, it was, it very, very much is. And like this is much more of a thriller Maybe that's what it was for me. Maybe it bordered more on the lines of a thriller than horror. And I expected it to be a horror film because it was marketed as a horror film, but it read more thriller. And maybe that's where I'm saying, like, I wanted it to be more because thrillers are kind of, and I don't mean this offensively, but it's toned down horror. And that's kind of not what what I was expecting nor wanting. 
yeah, I, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's just... No, I can see the disconnect yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, it was yeah. just very... Disconnect is a very good word because I felt very disconnected. I saw a trailer, I was hyped for it, and then seeing the movie, I was like, what? <laughs> Which, again, is just very interesting because, yeah. like, for me, it made sense from what I saw. And mind you, Chris and I were both equally as excited to see this movie. Um I just, yeah, I find it very interesting that you and I, who have very similar tastes in yeah. film, went into this and read it two completely different ways. And I think both of our reasons are very, very valid and right. different view- yeah. viewings of the film. But Which makes horror all that more yes. interesting. <laughs> and I'm not going to sit there and say that I hate it, don't go see it, it's not worth it, because I'm not that type of person, and I think all horror should be respected on some level, because they're out there and they're doing it. But it just didn't hit the mark for me. It wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny that when you brought up how the grabber just didn't feel wasn't effective wasn't effective because yeah. for me I saw clear distinctions between again between like the moods and when but I I can see how yeah. like yeah maybe it relied too much on the mask for those distinctions yeah. um, but I thought I thought his body language which again you said <laughs> just <laughs> the opposite but yeah I thought his body language he was all like loose and kind of like you know the giggles and everything when he was in that more playful like toying with them mood but when he was like oh i'm gonna test them or like i'm the bad guy mood now and when he was waiting up at the stairs in the chair in the for the naughty boy game i just i thought they how they showed his stance there was so much different than his like the lean kind of lanky guy when he's toying with them and he's like he looked so much bigger i thought in the chair and like i was actually i was just surprised i was like dang ethan hawk like looks really meaty here <laughs> and, like broad and kind of menacing with with the like contrast of the light and the shadowing and stuff but for me i was like oh he looks kind of like a beast here and he's ready to beat some ass See, i guess in that <laughs> scene in particular uh-huh. i was more focused on the beautiful lighting. Yeah, the beautiful lighting and the camera work and the angles more on his than on his character. Because all I was focused on is this is weird. Like why is he sitting in the chair shirtless with like a belt? Like I know what he's about to do, uh-huh. but it just uh-huh. didn't seem threatening. It just felt weird. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I think that worked for me because I think that most of these people um, especially in the film, all the parents are incompetent. None of the adults really help out. Even the cops barely do anything. Um, I felt like it really showed, like, as clumsy as he was, it makes sense in that world because of it's just kids on their own, basically. Yeah. And, uh, and it made sense that he's basically just a child under a mask, like, who's reliving mm-hmm. his childhood mm-hmm. abuse. That makes sense. So when he like when he's like crying in the beginning, it made it more uh, like creepy yeah. and weird because of that. And rather than I feel like if he was just like a buff, strong guy in a mask, it wouldn't have mm-hmm. been intimidating. But the fact that you don't really know anything about him, he's mysterious and creepy, and basically is like a a child who doesn't want to take accountability for his actions. I feel like that made it like a little more creepy for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I guess yeah. I didn't make that connection. I just yeah. 
that just didn't hit home. Yeah, do you think the the reactions, if they had focused on maybe reactions when the kids were being like beaten or something, that may have made it a little more effective. Yeah. 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 But most of the children die unseen, Mm -hmm. and then Finny is kind of more confused and like waiting for people to save him. I guess that's again where I didn't feel it was cohesive because they were so blatant in putting the kind of what's the word um. They were so, so they were so willing to show, like, the aggression behind these children being bullied, the fighting, and the beating that Gwen took. But then when it actually came to the grabber murdering these children, there were, like, maybe one or two effective scenes, and that was it. So it's like, why were they so candid in showing these beatings and these traumas in the beginning, but there was no, there was nothing on the other side? Seemed like it fit into their theme of abuse. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just, I thought the abuse in the beginning was just kind of unnecessary. And then at the end where it was like, you kind of wanted to maybe get a glimpse of like what the grabber was doing. It just didn't go there. And it was like, it was just very contrasting and how they did that. And I mean, I guess it works as the overall theme of the movie with the abuse thing. But I just, yeah, while watching it, I was just kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird. I also, too, found it, like, kind of silly that this kid was working so hard to, like, get the grates off the window. Or, I mean, that wasn't his intention, but he popped the grates off the window. He was using, like, the carpets. He was using a toilet seat. But, like, why didn't he use the toilet seat cover to hit the grabber? Like, why did he have to use the phone? And, I, I mean, I get that it was, like... The kid giving him this advice, but he had so many other tools that he could have used as a weapon in this fucking basement. But like it, it was just he used the phone and then a Scooby Doo kind of trap. Well, yeah, because he used all the things that the kids had told him. Yeah, like the cord used to trip him. The grate was in there to break broke his ankle. But he literally had the top two to a toilet seat cover. He had bottles and plates that he could have broken up to use against the grabber. Like I I just, I I thought it was was funny. No, yeah, absolutely. Puts the phone. Absolutely, absolutely. But I just thought I just thought it was funny. It also fit his character. I I heard like the the girls next to me when he like walks out of the. The kitchen walks out into the kitchen. Ethan Hawke's sleeping. They're like, they're like, I'm gonna stab him with a knife. Yeah. Like, did you not watch the movie? Like, have you been not watching him? Yeah. Like, endlessly get beaten to shit and not fight back. Yeah. Like, I'm not so much in those scenes because I'm like, I, that was not my initial thought. Yeah. I was like, get, get out, get out, you know? Because I mean, the that's stakes all they're are gonna think yeah, because the yeah. stakes are high. This kid needs to get out, and especially he's especially a kid that's yeah. usually very timid and absolutely you know, hasn't doesn't have that courage yet but during the planning of this uh-huh, scooby-doo trap I'm like, it was just funny i thought the toilet I, seat too but i thought like i feel like he's much smaller if you try to lift that up like he, when he's oh, yeah down, he's taller yeah. than him when he's yeah. down he's just smashing it forward and like rather yeah. than having to like yeah absolutely i mean don't get me yeah. wrong the phone part <laughs> made sense uh-huh. But I just couldn't, like, my brain just immediately went to all the things in the room that he could have used. Yeah, I just felt like he wasn't really, like, 
they had really set him up to be someone who like waits for somebody else, like his yeah. sister. Or yeah, Robin, which to come well, save him. yeah, absolutely. Like the ending made sense because he really needed that old friend <laughs> to kind of kick his butt in a gear. So it made sense. I just yeah, that's where my brain went. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Oh, I will add yeah, one thing. Um, that I liked watching an interview with Scott Derrickson when he was describing Joe Hill and his horror. Um, he said Joe's philosophy of horror is is that great horror is about great empathy. And to me, I felt like I got that in this movie between the like the brother and sister relationship and his relationship with Robin and specifically those two relationships. Great horror is about great empathy. And I, I like the kind of wide range of emotions that were portrayed in this film, not just not just Tara all the way through. And I really liked the relationships in it, portrayed in it. And and yeah, and like even with the grabber, which you didn't feel the same way, but the kind of weird emotions that he was displaying that you kind of were trying to understand, like Adam said. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if I was able to grasp that emotion, I would have been able to connect with it on the mm-hmm. level that you did. But for me, it just, aside from Gwen's character, I just did not get any of that emotion from anyone else. And so that just felt short for me. But that's an interesting, that's an interesting concept to like think about what Joe Hill said. Yeah, because I got it even like Rob, yeah, especially with the relationship between Gwen and Finney, but also with Robin. And even when Robin talks about his uncle, like his, so his dad died in Nam and his uncle takes him out to see these movies like Texas Chainsaw and stuff. Just little little details and quips like that I thought had heart and, and everything. And then, you know, when he's talking to Robin, when Robin's dead. Maybe I'm just in an, an emotionless <laughs> being. I don't know. I just, yeah. I didn't, it didn't really send that feeling home for me. That being said... But yeah, go, yeah, go, go see watch it. it. Go see it. Form your opinion you for yourself. See if you like it. See if you don't. We would love to hear your reactions to it. If you agree with us, if you disagree with us. I also hear Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill are working on another, developing another film. Really? Um, I don't know if it's a horror. I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. But... The yeah, they're the team behind the sinisters and this. With that being said, will I go check out their their next movie? Absolutely. (laughs) This has not deterred Uh, me from this team. I'm just. I think this one just fell short. Yeah. 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 Um. uh, Oh yeah. So. Is this another fucking Morbius trailer?